John chapter 4. I'd like you to go there with me this morning. John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 43 to the end of the chapter, verses 43 through 54 in John chapter 4. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word with you today and you're following along. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 43. The Apostle John writes in verse 43, After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your own, uh, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he, when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew That was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now as we come to verse 43 here this morning, we find Jesus leaving Sychar. If you've been with us for our studies here in John you know that he met the woman at the well outside the town of Sychar. And then the woman went into the town and witnessed, and the people came out to Jesus and implored him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And it says in verse 43 that after the two days, he departed for Galilee. Let me just say here that, that God's ways are not our ways. You know that? You know that, right? God's ways are not our ways. Jesus had stayed two days in Sychar where he was well received, right? If you know the story, if you've been here to to go through the the account with us in John chapter 4, you know that he was well received in Sychar. There were many people who believed in him. Many more believed in him because of this woman's testimony that he met at the well. Jesus had stayed there two days in Sychar where he was well received and many people had put their faith in him and believed in him. So why leave after only two days? <laughs> why leave after only two days? Well, we'd likely do it differently, wouldn't we? Well, Jesus, you know, it's time to start a church or something, right? I mean, there's a lot of people getting saved here. Don't leave. Why leave if you're finding success? Well, God's ways certainly aren't our ways, are they? And and let me just say, that's a good thing, right? 
Um, you and I make decisions, and sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're okay, and sometimes they're really, really bad, right? And we can thank God that His ways are not our ways because He never makes even a good decision. He never makes a bad decision. He always makes the best decision, right? So why did Jesus leave? Well, He left, for one thing, because He was to be about His Father's business, Right? He was to be about his father's business. That's what he told his earthly parents when he was just 12. And they found him after searching for him for three days. And they found him in the temple. And Jesus says in John 6.38, For for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So we know he's to be about his father's business. That's what he told his parents. And then we saw it there in John 6.38. Of course, we're not to chapter 6 yet. We're going to see it. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will. It was the same thing he told his parents. I've got to be about my father's business. I'm to be in my father's house. I'm not, I'm not coming to do my will, but the father's will. Him who sent me. John 8.29 is similar where he says, For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And what's pleasing to the father in this case is not that he stay longer than the two days, but that he keep moving. I think it's interesting to note that neither apparent success or failure dictated the movement of Christ as He ministered here on earth. Jesus didn't hang around because He was having success and He didn't leave because He was finding failure. Jesus sets the example for us of being, I would say, He's being singular in purpose. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, you too ought to be all about the Father's business. And here's what I mean. Each thought Every word, every deed taken captive to do the Father's will, to glorify God for God's glory. Every day live for your heavenly Father's purposes. Now, I'm not talking, talking about you know, wandering around reciting Scripture verses 24 hours a day, but I'm talking about having an, a mind and a heart that is captivated to do one thing, and that is to glorify God in all that you do and say, in all of your work that God has given you to do as you provide for your family, in the relationships with your neighbors, in your relationships in the church, to, to be about your Father's purposes for your life. Every day lived for your Heavenly Father's purposes. So Jesus, about His Father's business, leaves Sychar, even in the midst of great success. He leaves for Galilee, a journey by foot that would have likely taken two or three days. And the fact that he leaves behind success for a place where he'd not be wholeheartedly received, I think, is instructive. We're going to see here that he, uh, we're going to see it later especially, that he's not wholeheartedly received in Galilee. Jesus wasn't looking for an easy place to minister. He was all about going where the lost needed to be sought out and saved, right? I've come to seek and to save the lost said Jesus. He was all about that. So John, quoting Jesus, says, look at verse 44, For Jesus Himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Now that's an interesting statement, I think. It's an interesting statement considering what comes next. When you come to verse 45, you may ask, why John included this statement in verse 44? Because it looks out of place. It looks contradictory. What do you mean a prophet has no honor in his own hometown? And those, those were Jesus' words. It sure looks 
like verse 45 is saying, he's well received. Look at verse 45. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Now, why did the Apostle John include the, we can call it the no honor statement of Jesus? Why did, why did John include the no honor statement in verse 44 to then go on and point to the, to the welcome that Jesus received in verse 45? And this welcome was in the land of Galilee where Jesus grew up. Well, John included it because it helps explain why Jesus went where he would not be well received. It helps explain why Jesus would go where he's going. When he quotes Jesus, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. The Father is to be glorified. The Son is to be glorified. And people need to know about Christ. And so he goes where he may not receive a full welcome because that's where he needs to be. That's where people need to be sought out and saved. And we can be grateful and thankful to God that he searches He searches for us. He seeks us out to save us, right? He goes where at one time we, we may not welcome him, but he comes into our lives to confront us in our sin, to save us from our sins. We can be grateful for that, right? Be thankful that God goes through Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. Note too, that just because it appears at first glance that Jesus is well received as he enters Galilee, it doesn't mean that things are always as they appear. You know that too, right? Things aren't always as they appear, which is the case here. When you see how things kind of play out in the text here, you begin to realize that they're welcoming Jesus for the wrong reasons. So let's keep looking. The reason Jesus is welcomed here is because of what they had witnessed in Jerusalem. That's what that's what we see here is that because of what they had witnessed in Jerusalem, they're, they're kind of welcoming Jesus. Remember when he had cleared out the temple? Verse 45 says the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, because they had been there. And they had seen him clear out the temple. And they had probably heard of his miracles, right? So they welcomed Jesus, but it wasn't that they were believing in him, it's that they were impressed with him. You might say they were just impressed with Jesus. They saw that welcoming him could be to their benefit. And so they would welcome Jesus for his miracles, for what they could get. But that doesn't mean that they were honoring him as the Messiah. They weren't honoring him as the Messiah. They were just looking at Jesus. Look, here's a, here's a man who works the miracle that we heard about. Boy, maybe he could work a miracle for us. They were not honoring him as Messiah. So here we see Jesus in John 4 returning to his own country, Galilee. And though people seem to welcome him, as we look at verse 45, this is not an indication of faith in him. Not yet. So, so why is he returning to this place where he's not well received? Well, it's because Jesus isn't here to make friends. You know, Jesus isn't here to make friends. He doesn't. He doesn't come into our life to be our friend, although He is a friend of sinners, right? And those of you who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can say, I am so thankful that Jesus is my friend. <laughs> because He is a friend of sinners. But He doesn't come to make friends. He's here to seek and save the lost. He's here to look for those 
who might reject Him to tell them about their need of a Savior, their need of forgiveness for sin, their need of living water as we saw he, when He spoke to the woman at the well. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we, we know as we continue in the text that what we're seeing is not saving faith in those who welcome Jesus. The same is still true today, isn't it? Sometimes you'll see people say, well, I'm, I'm interested in what Jesus has to offer. I'm, I'm interested in what the church has to offer, but it's not saving faith. They're kind of looking for what it is they can get or the help they can find. Many will come inquiring of Christ, not because they believe, but for what they can get. Let's look. Verse 46 continues. So when, so he came again to Canaan and Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Note that. He came again to Galilee where he had made the water wine, says verse 46. Now John includes this for a good reason, because he's trying to make a point here. This was Jesus' first sign that he points to in, in Cana, in Galilee, when he turned the water to wine. It was Jesus' first sign, his first miracle. Word had gotten out, don't you think? Word had gotten out. You should have been there. You should have been there. Filled these... Pots with water. And out came the best, the best wine there was. Jesus' first sign in Cana of Galilee. Word had gotten around this Jesus is a miracle worker. And look at, look at verse 46 as it continues. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Here's this official. You could say this was a man of status. This was a man of wealth, a man that has at his disposal anything he wants, anything he thinks he needs. And... What's the need of his life right now? His child is suffering. His child is dying. And none of his wealth, none of his status has saved this child's life. But when he hears that Jesus has come from Judea, I think I've heard of this man before. I think he's worked a miracle before, and maybe he can just work a miracle for me. Maybe he can just work a miracle for my son. When he hears that Jesus has come from Judea to Galilee, he wastes no time in coming to Jesus to ask. And the, and the idea here is that he implored him. It's a very strong idea. It's not just a simple, hey, um, would you mind coming to my house? He implores him. He's, he's grasping at his last straw. Oh, Jesus, please come and heal my son. This man doesn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. No, he sees him as a miracle worker. Look at Jesus' response in verse 48. So Jesus said to him, and this is really a challenge to this man, this is really a rebuke, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus, in effect, has just turned this official away. Jesus knows this man is only coming to him for what he can get. Unless you see signs, unless you see miracles, you won't believe. This man coming to Jesus, and Jesus knows his heart, he's only coming to him because he has a serious problem and he doesn't have any other way to solve it but maybe Jesus. And who could blame him? 
Jesus is his last resort. Right? Let me just say that that is exactly the problem. That Jesus is his last resort. That still happens today, doesn't it? You and I meet people, maybe you were one of them at one time when Jesus is your last resort. Maybe it's, you know, I think I, I think I need to get more religious or something because I, I've just got all these problems and God's not going to let me escape these problems until I get more religious. God didn't send His Son to be our last resort. You know that? He sent Jesus Christ to be our first resort. He sent Jesus Christ to die in our place to be the first and final answer to the biggest problem we have. And that is our sin, which separates us from God. And Jesus knows this man senses no need for him as Messiah. He doesn't look at Jesus as the Messiah. He looks at him as a healer. He's a miracle worker. He only sees him as having the the answer to his most desperate problem right now. His son is dying. This Jesus may be able to help. So Jesus gives the clear challenge that this man would not believe without signs and wonders. It's, it's kind of like saying, look, I know you're only going to believe it if you see it. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, right? We say that. And Jesus just gave this official a stern rebuke. And, and, and look at how this man answers. He doesn't even argue with Jesus. He has one thing in mind. The official begs him. Sir, come down before my child dies. In effect, you're right. I only want one thing and I'll believe it when I see it. Just come and heal my son. Please just come before my child dies, says the man. So so what did Jesus do? Jesus did nothing. Look at what he says, though. And look at the man's response. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go. Your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. I want you to note that the man didn't say, What? You're not coming? Are you kidding? You're not coming? All I ask is do you come and heal my son? You're not coming? He didn't say that. Think about it. One moment, all the man wants is for Jesus to come with him and heal his dying son. And the next... He's content to walk away and leave and go his own way. What in the world happened? What happened? I say what happened is Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke. Remember, He's the Word made flesh. Come to dwell among us, right? Jesus spoke is what happened. At first, all this man wanted was for Jesus to come with him. Now he's ready to leave with this promise that his son will live, what changed? What changed? I think a heart change occurred in this man when Jesus spoke. You know, it would have been interesting, wouldn't it have been interesting to be there to hear how Jesus spoke to him? It would have been interesting to to be there to hear how Jesus said what he said. I don't think Jesus ran him off like saying, oh, oh, just leave me alone. Go already for Pete's sake. Your son's going to live. He didn't say that. I really don't think that that's how Jesus responded to him. I think his words were powerful and assuring. And, and, you know, we can convey a lot with a look, right? We don't know. But I have to believe that Jesus spoke in a way 
that gave this man assurance. And remember, this is the Word made flesh speaking, right? And so I think a heart change took place. We can only imagine, but Jesus' tone had to be comforting, had to be reassuring, because we're told here that the official believed the Word that Jesus spoke to him. Jesus didn't work a sign then. He didn't do a miracle then. He just said, it's okay. Go home. Your son's going to live. He believed Jesus when he spoke. And it would seem that now he leaves with a different attitude than the one he brought to the conversation. R.C. Sproul says that the Christian life is not about believing in God. It's about believing God. I think it's a wonderful statement. He says, what saving faith is, is trusting what God says is the truth. It's not about believing in God. It's about believing God. This man heard Jesus' promise, and he believed the promise. He believed Jesus. In one moment, that man just had to have Jesus go with him to his house, and, and it just this was the only answer. And then the next He's content to go without Jesus because he believed him. He believed him. And verse 51 says that as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. Now imagine how you would feel if you were this official, if you were this man. You'd be elated, right? I'm sure he was excited to hear the the news. Imagine how you'd feel if those from home came to tell you you're your dying son was now recovering and he was going to live. He's going to be okay. Look at his response in verse 52. So he asked them. Here's the first thing he wants to know after, after he gets done jumping up and down. Woohoo! Right? He says, okay, no, 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 wait, wait. He asked them the hour when he began to get better and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. Wait, tell me when he started to get better. Tell me what time. Verse 53, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he, listen, look at it, verse 53, and he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Listen, at first this man saw Jesus only for what he could do for him now. Only for what he could get from him now. But now, there's more going on here than just seeing Jesus as some healer, some miracle worker. There's much more going on. Now, it's more than just believing that Jesus can work another miracle. Now, he's, he has saving faith in Jesus Christ. And not he alone, but his whole household. And you know, we go back to the statement that Jesus made. He said, unless you see signs, unless you see miracles, you won't believe. And God was gracious to show him a miracle. He was gracious to show him a miracle. And he believed. You remember what I've been reminding you throughout our studies here that John's Gospel is all about. It's It's about believing in Jesus. All of this 
so that we might believe in Jesus. John says, chapter 20, verse 31, you'll all be able to recite it with me when we're done with the Gospel of John. These are written so that you may be you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John says in John 10.10, 10, I came, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, let me correct that, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Some translations say have it to the full. Jesus told the woman, Back at the well in verse 10 here in chapter 4, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And then we believe that later she drank of the living water because she believed, right? And then she runs to town and tells the people of Sychar and those people came to Jesus because of this woman's witness, and they believed in him and say, in verse 42, we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Can I ask you this morning, are you merely impressed with Jesus? Are you just impressed by what Jesus can do that he lived? Are you only coming to him because you see that doing so could be to your benefit? It can be. It will be. (laughs) But are you coming to Christ for the right reasons? Maybe. Maybe you first came to Christ because you saw him as your last chance out of trouble. You know, I can think of worse reasons to come first to Christ. Maybe that was your first reason to to consider Christ. But if that's all you ever have seen in Christ, then it's time for you to hear His Word. It's time for you to hear Christ and believe. It's time to believe Him. It's time to place your trust in Christ because only through faith in Him will your soul drink freely of His living water. And you put your faith in Christ. Only by faith... Will you have life and have it abundantly? And you don't stop having faith once you believe. You just start having faith once you believe. You know, as fathers of Christ, you need to keep resting in Jesus Christ. Keep believing Jesus Christ. Keep believing Him. Keep growing in faith. Only by faith will you have life and have it to the full. Only by faith is is it possible that you can live in Christ. And only by faith will you know that He is the Savior of the world. Like we hear the people of Sychar saying, now we know because we have heard Him speak. Now we know that He is the Savior of the world. Only by faith will you know Him as your Savior. And only by faith can you keep living for Him. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, oh, how we thank You for Your powerful Word. Oh, how we thank You for the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And oh, Father, I pray
you would help us to see clearly that Jesus is the Savior of the world and believe. That we would hear his word and believe. Father, that, that if, if we haven't confessed our sin and believed in Jesus Christ, that we would confess that we are sinners lost without Jesus Christ as our Savior, confessing our sin, believing in Jesus Christ, putting our faith and trust in Him wholly, with nothing else added. God, I pray that You would encourage Your people, help Your people to see so clearly that they need to keep their faith daily in Jesus Christ. That we might truly drink fully of the living water through the power of the Holy Spirit that You're so gracious to give us when we have faith in Christ. God, bless Your people. Encourage Your people. Strengthen Your people to be obedient to You. To have faith in You. To believe You for Your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.